Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hi, I'm Tracy Babcock. And I'm Allison Burkhart. And welcome to the Create Every Opportunity podcast. We are two full-time working moms who have a passion for continuous self-development. As part of our journey, we've read over 60 books combined, and in every podcast, we will share lessons we learned and meaningful wisdom worth remembering. So you can quickly put ideas into action. So let's get started. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite books, Choose Yourself by James Altucher. Both Allison and I have read a multitude of self-development books, and the reason this one stuck out to me is how real it is. I find James to be an amazing storyteller. Listen to his podcast if you haven't done so yet. He has a way of taking you on his journey, and that journey has not always been easy as you'll read. In his book, he shares his successes and failures in a way that makes you feel like anyone can be successful. It's honest, it's vulnerable, and it's just plain funny. So let's get into it. Okay, so I think his main message in the book is about the daily practice. Allison, can you kick us off and tell us a little bit about that? His daily practice is about taking care of your four bodies, emotional, mental, spiritual, and physical. I really liked this because he breaks it down into how to eat better, how to exercise, what do you need to do emotionally, how to avoid negative people, how to put a quota on how much you'll complain. That's something that I really try to work on and make your mind sweat, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, which is around some 10 ideas. So he literally lays out A through Z, um, things that you can do in your daily practice. And the idea is to choose one thing every day. So I've tried to do that. There's a bunch of things I've never done that are on here. Um, And there's a couple of things that I have done. I love it too because I actually Xeroxed this and I have it up at my desk and they're so easy. I mean, they're actually actions that you can implement any day and it's some of them are get a good night's sleep. Some of them are write a thank you note or make a plan to spend time with a friend you haven't talked to. So I like the simplicity of it, and I think it's really easy for any of us to put into action right away. So is there anything in particular you want to talk about that's in the A to Z? Because there are things that I struggled with, and there are things that I thought were super easy. So you mentioned sleeping eight hours. I can pretty much do that on any given day. No TV, never been able to do that. And I don't actually ever want to do that because (laughs) I like TV. So I'm like, sorry, James, not doing that. No complaining for a full day. Have you actually tried to do that? I have not tried to do that one. The one I'm struggling with is S, where he talks about when you're thinking about someone that's causing you grief and then you have to stop yourself and and think to yourself, no, I won't think of him or her like that. (laughs) I'm going to say loudly to myself, no. No, and keep saying it out loud so that you might redirect your thoughts to something more positive. That's really tough for me because once I have it in my head that I, um, someone's aggravating me, um, it's hard to pull. It's a hard one to. They're pull dead off. to me. They're dead to me. How about shower, scrub, and clean the toxins off your body? See, like that one seemed like okay. I do <laughs> that every easy. day, right? Okay. Like the sleep eight hours and, yeah. and keep clean. I check check. How about 
take up a hobby. Have you taken up a hobby? Do you have any I hobbies? feel you have my new hobbies? hobby is like a lot of things coming from his book, like starting a podcast, like coming up with business ideas every day and taking action to um, do something more than what I'm currently doing. I think the important thing uh, for everybody here is that there are so many great ideas. James feels that this saved his life. And I think it goes back to him not focusing on negative things, like the things that are not within my control. So today I can control this. Today I can have no junk food. Today I can try and work on expressing thanks to a friend. Today I think I can watch a funny movie or a stand-up comic. And I think that's what's refreshing and I maybe why you've even posted it on your desk to be able to look, okay, today's a frustrating day. I'm going to look over here and say, let me just choose one thing from this list that I can do. And it does help shift you, right? It gives you, it shifts your physiology, it shifts your mind, and it makes you think about doing something different, maybe then some negative self-sabotaging thing you were going to do. Right. And actually, James attributes this list to saving his life. So even though these 26 ideas seem easy or seem simple, that's why I love it. They're simple, but they can be lifesavers. Well, that's why I think what's funny is actually I found that they're not all simple because I can't stop watching TV. (laughs) So... They seem you simple. and the Kardashians. And then don't have sex with someone you don't love. Okay, that made sense to me. But <laughs> he has that down on his list. Or so, so, you know, you do think it's pretty simple, but it's not. I mean, he has an idea about read a chapter in a biography about someone who's an inspiration to you. I haven't done that yet. So the idea is there's a lot of great ideas. Maybe they can be simple, but... On a level of 1 to 10, let's say that there's some simple... No junk food. That's a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there you have it. The daily practices and uh, read about more in this book. Yes, we we loved it. Another important aspect of Choose Yourself is James' approach to how to become an idea machine. And coming up with ideas, 10 ideas a day. I don't know if you tried this, but I did. He gives a lot of great direction in the book. He talks a lot about it in his podcast. He will sit. This is part of his actual daily practice where he sits down every day and comes up with 10 ideas. I tried it. I started putting it in my calendar every day, come up with 10 ideas, and just riffing on 10 ideas. They didn't have to be smart. They didn't need to make money. They didn't have to be big. They just needed to be ideas. Was this something that you tried? You know, this one is tough for me. I have not done 10 ideas a day. I feel like my practice is coming up with an idea a day. So maybe I can develop up to 10 ideas a day, but... I think it's hard to come up with 10 fresh ideas, but what I really appreciated about James is the following chapter was his 10 ideas, which were off the cuff, ridiculously funny, and it made me rethink how serious I am about some of my ideas and maybe having more fun with it, and it doesn't have to be the perfect idea. You can just have fun with riffing on 10 ideas. Well, 
you are an idea person. We've talked about this and we've um, actually whiteboarded a lot of your ideas. I think James also talks about making your mind sweat. So his whole philosophy around the 10 ideas is making your mind sweat. And I can remember coming and telling you that I'm going to try this. I'm going to try and write down 10 ideas. And it is super hard because you start criticizing your idea. Oh, it's stupid. It's this. And even though James is like, don't do that. Don't do that. Just write them down, write them down. And that really does make your brain sweat. You think 10, what's so hard with 10? It kind of was hard. You know, I, I did it for about a week and I realized I was repeating my ideas. So when you read this chapter and the second one about becoming an idea machine, he does give you places to look, right? He says, like, go on Twitter, Google search things. Like, he really is an ideation person. That is what I'm so impressed with when I read and listen to him. He is constantly in the idea mode and that is hard to do. I don't think I practice that. That become that needs to become a practice. I think we can practice to practice. <laughs> practice to practice. Practice to practice. I also liked what he said about collision. So you might have two ideas and this is a perfect example in our mastermind group where I whiteboarded about 10 ideas and you all like voted on what you thought was the most viable. And it ended up like where I could group three ideas together for one bigger vision. And that was really helpful. Yeah, so. that was such a great exercise. Having like-minded people look at what you're doing and say, wow, you could put this with this and make actually a really complete idea. And I think you left that night with 10 narrowed down to a solid four because we were able to put things together. So the idea of collision is brilliant. Two ideas having a baby equals a really amazing idea. idea. Yeah. Okay, Allison, so what do you think about James's view on purpose? So I'm going to read something from his book, if you don't mind, around finding purpose and the word purpose. Okay. Because it tells a story and it shows his humor. He says, I don't like the word purpose. It implies that somewhere in the future, I will find something that will make me happy. And until then, I will be unhappy. I loved that. That word purpose gets thrown around a ton. You and I have been throwing around back and forth to each other since we started on our journey. What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Well, you know what? Today my purpose is to get up and get to work on time. <laughs> yes. But, you know, we sometimes think it's got to be bigger than that. We've got to, he says, go on some sort of ride, then get dropped off at a big location that's called out as purpose. And that, for me, said, yeah, you know what? I got a lot of purposes. I want to be a mom. I want to be a great mom. I want to raise great kids. I want to put them out into the world. They're heading off to college. Like there's multiple purposes, but I think it's, we think we're developing the next biggest software thing. We're coming up with the next biggest idea and that's my purpose, but that's not what purpose is about. What do you think? What a relief, right? I read this part of the book and it was like an aha for me because as you know, you have a talent that you're developing and I've told you several times I'm super jealous that you have this purpose and this talent that, and, and that I feel like that's my struggle. Like I have so many ideas, but what is my sole purpose? So when I read James's 
and he's saying the quest for a single purpose has ruined many lives. I thought, yeah. it's okay yeah. that I have a purpose in this and I have several business ideas and I'm not sure which one will stick because I don't have a single purpose right now and I'm finally okay with that. Yeah, I don't think there is one single purpose. The other thing he mentions in terms of thinking about your purpose is challenging your thoughts to go back to your childhood dreams. It's to think about things that you once wanted to do in your youth. It's just things that are important to you now. So I know what's important to you. You've told me time and again how you want to give value to others. You want to give back. That is a purpose. You want to be great in the job that you're doing currently. That is a purpose. You want to put together a successful podcast. That is a purpose. I think that we are led to believe that purpose really means a ride that we're going to get dropped off in a destination. Exactly what he said. And we're comparing ourselves to successful people, which he talks about in the book as well, you know, the Oprah that has this big grand purpose. She didn't always have that. She Every day she's moved towards something bigger and greater for herself. The other thing is, gosh, I'm X age. I should friggin' have a purpose by now. But he has so many great stories about people who at the ripe age of 60-something realized their purpose was to be a great novelist. So... Yeah, it's it's shut down. A lot of great ideas because we're focused on something that we're probably already achieving and doing. I I agree. I love that. One of my favorite points of the book. I love the idea where James talks about that if you don't make courageous choices for yourself, no one else will. Being courageous for me equals also having failure to take bold moves you might fail and both of those things are hard to do but I'd like to ask you to tell us about some of your courageous choices what did you do and what led you to even making them and are there any lessons you learned from them how did it work out did you fail at some did you succeed at some that is a great question. Uh, I think that courageous is such a great word because when you think of courageous, some people might think of brave, but I think mm-hmm. of courageous as going forward in spite of fear. And so if I think of it in that aspect, I think that there's several times in my life where I have done things when I was terrified, and I'm very proud of those. So in my youth, probably moving to New York right after college and not knowing anyone and deciding that that was the path for me and going out there and finding a place to live and finding a job and trying to live my dream was one of the most courageous things I've done. Did you do that in spite of people saying, I don't know why you're doing that. Why are you doing that? You know, I had a very supportive family and I feel like everyone just thought well that's Tracy like there she goes she's not gonna live in Michigan she's gonna go off to New York City so I never really felt that but inside I was terrified I was terrified of not paying rent of what that kind of a big city looked like after living in Michigan for my whole life so forging ahead and going on photo shoots and video shoots when I had an 
Cablevision, East Lansing Cablevision, like, internship against people who've worked video camera on major movies was very humbling. So I still did it. And that's what I think is cool. Yeah, so how did it work out? Were you able to pay the rent? Were you able to get your meals paid for? How did, you know, the things I you were was, afraid of, but what that, happened? That was waiting tables and bartending. And I'm still proud of the fact that I was able to experience that lifestyle and live in a big city. Living my dream by also having a second means of income while I did it. So you did it in spite of things. You had worries. You had fears. You made the move. You found a way to pay the bills. Do you feel that the older you get, the more fearful you get? I mean, it sounds like you just left. You did it. You went Midwest, East Coast, two really big different places. And it sounds like you're just like, I'm going to make it happen. But as we get older, do you start to go all the way to the end and be like, well, I and then have to bring yourself all the way back. Uh, like, do you still feel yeah. like you can do those things? Or? I, I feel like we talked about this a little bit in our last podcast. Fear is crazy. And the older we get, the more we get. And I don't know why that is, but I will say in the year of the books that I've read, in the year of self-development that I've done, that I'm finding my way back to fighting through that. It never goes away, as we've heard in several podcasts. The fear will always be with mm-hmm. you. It's finding the courage mm-hmm. to drive forward through it in spite of what's happening in your life. So I think everyone has the opportunity to get back to that. Yeah, it's um, now granted, you're younger. You didn't have family. You had yourself to manage. You just had you yourself. You weren't worried about paying mortgages. You weren't worried about taking care of the kids, uh, making sure they were in the clubs they needed to be in for them to be successful, just all the things. So I, I totally get that because I think for most of us, if we were to think about our most courageous choices, it often comes from our youth, right? You know, picking up, same for me. I did the opposite. I went from the East Coast to California knew nobody but just picked myself up to go to college there. I was going to college in San Diego, living at my sister's in Los Angeles, making that commute. Like who would even do that now? That is to go back and forth because I didn't have a place to live in San Diego. I was driving from her house in Los Angeles all the way to San Diego to work at Bullock's and back at night until school started and until I found a place to live. Like you just become so resourceful and you realize all the abundance around you. You ask for favors. You're not afraid to. You're crash here, help here. And it bums me out that the older I get, the more afraid I am about reaching out and asking for that kind of help because I've had great experiences. It all worked out. It all made itself happen. And I'm so proud of it. And that for me, I'm trying to get that pride back. But I see that in you right now. I see you stepping out of your comfort zone and doing things that you wouldn't have done a year ago. So I feel like you are getting back to that. Thank you. But it is not first nature. No. It is, I need to do this nature versus I just did it nature. Me Does that too. make sense? That so totally makes sense. I'm trying it to be, I mean, I wasn't proud that I moved from the East Coast to San Diego at the time. I am thinking back on it. I just did it. Well, so now I'm trying to be in the just do it mindset. 
Um, fake it yeah, till you, you make it. Not even. Fake yeah. it till you are it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's what they say. So yeah. even if we have to fake not being fearful of some of the steps that we're taking, I think it's impressive that we're taking them. Because no one else will take it for us. That's right. So speaking about courageous, one of my favorite parts in the book, um, towards the end of the book, there's a letter from Dashima, who's a yoga instructor, to James. And in that book, she quotes Gabrielle Reese, where she had an interview with her, and I'm going to just read it from the book. She asked her how she deals with the pressures of being a pro athlete, uh, a Sports Illustrated model, a mother and wife of surf god Laird Ham- Hamilton, and she says, in life you will always have 30% of people who love you, 30% who hate you, and 30% who could care less. So when she heard that, her entire worldview changed. And then now Dashma is saying, whenever someone doesn't like me or expresses negativity towards something I'm doing, I just say, well, that's from the 30% who don't like me, so good. Now I can focus on the people who love me, who give me abundance, so good day, and thank you very much. I thought that was a really great part of the book. Yeah, it's a great remembrance because I think we self-sabotage ourselves constantly thinking about what other people are thinking. Her story is so unique because she says she started in a cubicle, working in an office job she didn't really like. And so her journey to being what is now quite a famous instructor is the leap of faith that she needed to take from the job she hated to doing something that she loved and that she didn't do it overnight. Uh, about five years of personal development and inner work is what got her to where she wanted to even be. But she did it by focusing on herself. And I think there's a lot of examples that I think we both have in our day-to-day lives where it is that 30-30-30. And I think we go straight to worrying about the 30% of the people yes. that hate it. They hate our idea. They were negative in a meeting instead of like the people that love what we did, right? So we're in a business where we're consistently trying to put out great product and we know that there is a percentage of customers that love it, but we get focused in on listening to more of the negativity and the the comments that are coming about what people don't like. And it's important to understand that, but we make it 80% versus 30-30-30. That's so true. And do you know when I go online to look at the customer reviews on my product, I look for the bad reviews to make sure there's no bad reviews rather than focusing on all the good reviews. The five stars. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So James starts the book and this idea is threaded throughout the entire book. But he has this idea about the day and age of the massive corporations that take care of us from beginning to end or over. He really believes that that whole idea of cubicle life, working for a massive corporation while still there is over for most of us, that it is the entrepreneurial track and that choosing yourself over your corporation is important. What do you think about that? I love that. And I love that he opened the book with that. And I think it's really awesome that we're ending our podcast on that note. 
He talks a lot about choosing yourself in the ways of the world being wide open to us right now. There's references to people that have an amazing music career by putting their art on YouTube. We no longer need a publishing company to create a book. We have ebooks that are easily accessed through Amazon or other avenues. We have so much technology at our fingertips that anyone can be an artist. And what I thought was so lovely about his book and talking about an entrepreneur is even the person who says they're not an entrepreneur, that's not true. We all are entrepreneurs. All of us have an art inside of us that can come out and do amazing things. We're just conditioned to believe that we are pencil pushers or that we are uh, pod people that have all this screen time and just answer to somebody else. So I love choosing yourself by getting out there and living your purpose and creating your art and living through fear to be vulnerable enough to put that out there in the world. Yeah, reinventing yourself. I think he shares so many stories. You mentioned the artist. How they start in one place, constantly reinvent himself. I, you know, that's how when I read his introduction, even James's path and how he lost and rebuilt his company over and over again from 2002 to 2008, many, many setbacks. He's pretty excited about this idea of thinking that corporations are over. Why? Because he thinks now we have the ability to choose ourselves, choose the life we want for ourselves. Being in the moment right now, there is no other moment. It's now. And you've got to take advantage of that and it weaves back to his asking lots of questions, being purposeful. We talked about being courageous. We talked about reaching out to others. We gave examples of our lives when we had to do that for ourselves. But this whole idea of reinventing yourself, starting new conversations about your own life, getting rid of old paradigms, and making choices, stepping out of your fear, stepping into the future, stepping into something more exciting and not accepting just how it's been. And rereading this book was extremely encouraging and it was really, really motivating. I agree. So I'd love to end this podcast like we normally do by asking you, Allison, what was your CEO moment of today? So reminding everybody that CEO stands for create every opportunity. So I am doing a daily reconciliation of my goals. So I've got a personal goal that I want to explore. It's a passion of mine that lives outside my current day-to-day full-time responsibility job that I have. And so every day I'm trying to do something. And so today, the opportunity hasn't come from it, but I'm hoping to create an opportunity by what I did today, which was sending out a a meetup invite to a company that is in a field that I'm interested in being in. I sent them an email. I introduced myself and why I'm interested in meeting up with them. And I got to tell you, I sweat when I hit the send button. It was super uncomfortable. I am a corporate girl. I have been in a corporation for 30 plus years. I've reinvented myself within my corporation, but I've never been outside of it. And so this was like a little nerve wracking, but I'm pretty proud of myself and I'm hoping to have 
created a new opportunity by getting this first email out on a new adventure. How about you? I don't know if I can top that. Uh, I'm going to have to say my CEO moments of the week, I guess, would be that we joined a Thursday video mastermind group that I thought was really amazing and I learned a lot from. So I thought that was really great. I also bought candy for a homeless mother who had kids out on the street that I felt bad for. Uh And I wrote a letter to a co-worker who's leaving Nordstrom to tell them that I wish them luck and that I thought that they were an amazing person, which is really out of my comfort zone because I don't know the person that well. But I just felt like I should do that. And I also have redefined what my morning routine should be. And instead of being so routine, I am taking more action in the business ideas um, after reading James's book to really start brainstorming and coming up with my next business plan. That's great. That was a lot of CEO moments, so That's I didn't narrow it down. I'm sorry. That's okay. I think both you and I learned a lot rereading this for the second time, took a lot more away from it, and I think the other thing we're trying to impress as we put our podcast together each week is just not what we've read, but what we're doing with what we've read. So... If this book helped you create another CEO moment and more than one, I think that's pretty impactful. So congratulations. And thank you, James. I thought the book was amazing. And we hope that you're going to show up at our next podcast. That would be amazing too. Okay, so thank you, Allison. This was a great conversation, and I hope our listeners took something away from this because we both thought the book was amazing. We hope you'll tune in next week. Yeah, we'll see you next week.